church family. In Asia Minor, on the bank of the Lycus River, sat an influential city of Colossae. A church in this central city had just received a letter from the great Apostle Paul. As the believers were assembled to hear what the letter said, one could only imagine what was going through their heads at that time. Thoughts like, what would he have to say to us? Had Pastor Epaphras made contact with him? What information had Epaphras given him about us? As they began to read the letter that Paul wrote to them, it's easy to picture the joy on the faces of the Colossians, the delight they must have had knowing that Epaphras had given Paul a good report about them. And the Apostle Paul, and rejoicing that he had been praying over them. How they must have followed every great and glorious word about their exalted Lord Jesus Christ that Paul wrote to them. Pretty cool, huh? Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Pastor Reg. If we haven't met yet, uh, if you weren't here last week, we probably haven't met. Uh, This is my second week as the new lead pastor of Community Grace. And uh, I just want to say again, uh, what I said last week, thank you so much for the warm welcome you've given me and my family. And uh, it's been a great transition. And we are, we are, fully in, fully immersed in this church with what God is going to do in it. And that's what we're going to talk about today, actually. Uh, There is a readiness for a vision for the future at Community Grace. Uh, He is starting to pull things together. Conversations are being had. Prayer meetings are being had. And uh, it's my joy to follow where the Holy Spirit has led us in Scripture today, Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14, which Rick just read. If you don't have a Bible with you, raise your hand. Aaron will uh, make sure that you get one, either English or Spanish. All right, I see a hand back there, a couple hands. And uh, everybody else, open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. And we're going to see a vision for future fruit. A vision for future fruit. There are... Sermon notes in your bulletin, if those help you follow along, pull those out as well. We're going to look at Scripture, timeless Scripture that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians and that God inspired as His Holy Word, living and breathing and active, and preserved for us today. And we're going to look at these verses and talk about our future as a church today. But before that, let me review what the Colossians is all about. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this young and new church in the hustling and bustling trade city of Colossae. And because it was a trade city between the East and the West, it was a collection of many different cultures. It was a melting pot of ideas, some good ones, some bad ones, um, many that were opposed to Christ. Here's a map that I showed last week so you can see where Paul was writing this letter. He was in prison in Rome, and he wrote to the Colossi, which is in modern-day Turkey, and their pastor, Epaphras, had made the journey to go visit Paul in Rome and receive this letter to them. So is God in this right from the beginning? Yes, and here it is for us to study today and be blessed by and guided through God's holy word. So Paul wrote this mighty little letter so that the Colossians, here was some of his purposes, so that this church the Colossians would walk with 
and know personally and love and grow in the Almighty King Himself, Jesus Christ. So they would know Him and walk with Him and love Him and believe in Him and be redeemed by Him. So last week we saw how Paul opened this letter with an amazing celebration of the work that God had already done in them. We were praising God uh, for the fruit that they were bearing, the gospel fruit. And that brings us into verse 9 today, where we look forward, where Paul looks forward into the future fruit that they can bear for Jesus. And in that, we're going to find, we're going to connect with the Colossians and look forward into our church's future as well. And because we're going to do that, and we're entirely dependent on God, let me just say a quick word of prayer. Would you pray along with me as we proceed today? God, our Father in heaven, I pray that today, as we look into your word, that you will unite our spirits and our hearts and give us clarity and a vision uh, for where you might take us in the future. Give us unity in that where you lead us. We confess our sins and anything that would keep us from growing as you'd have us to grow. I pray that everything we do would be for your glory, for our good, and for the good of the world where you give us influence and relationships. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're, we're praying. This context, the, the, the context of this passage is in prayer. And Paul is now praying for the future. He's, he sees a, a kind of a vision for the future of a, of a church that's pleasing God. And so I use that word vision a little bit. Let's, let's make sure we understand what we're talking about when we say that word vision. It can mean different things. There's a semantic range on the word vision. One quote that I like this as, uh, that helps us is this. Vision is the ability to see the opportunities within your current circumstances. All right, let me repeat that. It's the ability to see the opportunities within your current circumstances. Okay, sometimes we don't always see that. That's what we're praying for today. Here's another quote. If your vision is for a year, plant wheat. If your vision is for 10 years, plant trees. If your vision is for a lifetime, plant people. It just expresses that there are different types of vision, types of responses and planning involved. And then from Scripture, a well-known assurance from God to the nation of Israel. It still gives us peace here in the church. God gave this, Jeremiah 29, 11, to the nation of Israel. He says, For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And God is not done with his kingdom, Israel, either, as we learn from that. And we learn from that that God is a God of plans. And so we're going to talk about making plans and what God might do with us in the future. Now, do, are we going to be able, am I going to be able to roll out an entire one-year, three-year, five-year, fully detailed vision statement? I mean, this is only my second week, right? Um, are we going to do that today? No, we are not. But this is where God led us in Scripture, and we're going to go with this. And what, what we can do today is know exactly where to start. And that's exciting. So let's see what, what he says for us right now. Where does God's vision for our future fruit begin? And that is in point number one, for us first to grow in our SIQ. All right, I just made this up. There's not really a, such a thing called SIQ. That stands for spiritual intelligence quotient. Let's look at verse 9 together. <clears throat> and so, 
Paul writes, From the day we heard, that's about their faith and all the growth that they've had, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is where it begins, a vision for the future fruit. It begins with our spiritual intelligence quotient. How many of you have ever taken an IQ test? You know what those are, right? What does IQ measure? What does that stand for? Intelligence quotient. Okay. If you've ever taken an IQ test, maybe you remember this as a kid. It, these were always stressful for me as a kid. There seems to be a lot of pressure. It's like, oh man, I got I to gotta test high on this or you know, I'm going to be embarrassed. Right? Questions like this. This is one that I remember. Let's see if you can get this one. All right. If you are standing in a house and all four, in windows, all four directions in the house are facing south and you see a bear, what color is the bear? White. You guys have heard this one, haven't you? Or did you just process it that fast? Why is the bear white? Because it's a polar bear. How do you know it's a polar bear? Because all four windows are facing south. You are standing on the top of the North Pole. All right, you got that? Now, it's your intelligent quotient. What that measures is your... What's that? Oh, now I got it. That's so great. I, used to, I just love that question. So that's what the intelligent quotient measures is how much you know and then how you can process that, that information uh, to figure out something like that. See how those are stressful? It's like, oh, I don't get it. All right. Uh, IQ is measuring our intelligent quotient. Does that mean how smart we are? Well, in one sense, yes, but in only one sense. IQ measures your cognitive ability, your, your ability to process information with your brain. Uh, is that important? Yes, that is important. Uh, but it's, it's become almost worshipped in our society. But then recently, EQ has come on the scene. Does anybody know what EQ measures? Your emotional intelligence. And many people are now saying that it is more important than IQ. What, is, what does EQ measure? EQ measures your emotional intelligence. That's your ability to identify your own emotions and control your own emotions while perceiving how other people feel and then relating effectively to them. So which one is more important, IQ or EQ? The answer is yes. They're both important. And the important thing is for you to know where God has gifted you and what the situation demands, and then use that to the best of, of your ability that God has given you. One isn't more important than the other. But the one that is far and away more important than all of those for everyone, no matter who you are, is your spiritual intelligence quotient. How do I know? That's where Paul says right now that any vision for our lives begins. Anything that's going to bear fruit from our lives, it begins right here with your spiritual intelligence quotient. Look at the verse again. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking first, this is where he starts, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Let's look at each of those real quick. Filled with the knowledge of his will. God will teach you 
God will teach you. And before he tells you what to do, he tells you what he'll do for you in his word. He tells you what he has done for you. He wants you to know it and to learn it and to grow in it and to have certainty about his will. Everything he's revealed already in his word. It's a big book and there's a lot to know. So being filled with the knowledge of his will means that this should consume all of our being. We're filled with the knowledge of his word. Our thoughts and our affections, our purposes, our plans, the things we do on a moment-to-moment basis, they're filled with the knowledge of God's will and how everything in the universe centers on Christ. Did you know the whole Bible centers on Christ? Our whole lives should be centered on Christ. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing about our lives and about God's word, that they're all about Jesus and all about God, his plan. So everything, we, whatever God has in store for our future, he knows the details. We don't at this point, but we know that it begins with knowing about God. So it doesn't end there, though. You can't just become well-educated and not know what to do with that information. Knowledge puffs up in that, in that regard, the Bible says. So Paul prays next for spiritual wisdom and understanding, and that is simply just being wise, knowing what to do with that knowledge that you're growing in. And that is the ability, I like how one person said it, the ability to choose the highest good for God in every situation. Let me repeat that. Wisdom, spiritual wisdom, is the ability to choose the highest good for God in every situation. Every situation. Now we're being wise with this. The Greek word for wisdom is Sophie. And we have a daughter named Sophie. And that's intentional. Her name is Sophie Grace. And yes, she's embarrassed right now. And the reason we have a daughter named Sophie Grace is because 10 years ago when we chose that name, we were focusing on this exact thing, to be filled with the knowledge and wisdom of God. And we made 2 Peter 3.18 our family verse. 2 Peter is how, 3.18 is how Peter ends his second epistle with these words that are on the screen. He writes, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. That's a command. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so Sophie is our daily reminder in our household of this very thing. This is where it all begins to grow our spiritual IQ, to grow in the knowledge of God, and that changes our lives. So join us, join Paul, join the Colossians, and Jesus in this pursuit to grow our spiritual intelligence. It's where the vision for our lives begins. It's where the vision for our church begins. So increase knowledge. How do we get that? We come to church. We open the Word. It's right here. It's on our phones. Uh, We talk about it with other people. We listen to podcasts or sermons sing, worship, talk about the things of God often with others. Find out their perspective. That's going to help inform your own perspective. Make the sacrifices that it takes. Get up early to be with the Lord. Turn off the screens. These are sacrifices that we need to make to grow in the knowledge of God. So this is the first step in seeing a vision for our lives, where God is going to take us in our lives and as a church. So what's next? What comes next? Where does a vision for future fruit grow from here? Our vision, again, is first to grow in knowledge and spiritual wisdom. And then point number two, 
From there, our vision is to glorify God in everything we do. Everything we do, we need to make sure that it's for the purpose of glorifying God. We've talked about preparation, and now it's time to talk action. This is where a vision for future fruit begins. It's as we increase in knowledge and wisdom and understanding about the Word of God, now we can have that spiritual IQ to inform us what to do, and how to do it, and the purpose behind the why that we're doing it. So this is reflected in our church's mission statement. And I hope everybody has memorized this statement. If not, let's do it right now. Repeat after me. We exist. Okay, this is the why that we exist. We exist... To glorify God. Now you can just stop right there. We exist to glorify God. But a mission statement needs to go on. So it says, by being Christ followers. Okay, that's who we are. That's who we grow to be. And now what do we do? By making Christ followers. And that's our mission. Why Jesus saves us to glorify him, to bear gospel fruit, to proclaim his truth to the world. Verse 10. Let's see what the Apostle Paul writes to the Colossians. So as to, that's so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's look at this verse. To walk worthy. To walk worthy. This is the walk of your whole life. Your entire life. Every moment, everywhere you go, everywhere you are. Everything you do. We do it for Christ. And once he has saved us and made us a new creation, our purpose is not to please ourselves anymore, is it? It's to please God. Because Christ is greater than all. So the Bible has a lot to say about our walk with God. Just look at a couple, listen to a couple other passages about our walk with God. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 says, Walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Ephesians 4.1 says, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And God will walk through our lives in every Everything we do, everything we do, he, he is with us. There's no need to ever be lonely or scared or on your own because he's walking with us every step along the way. So let me ask you dads out there. How many of you dads have ever had this experience yet? Maybe this is one of your favorite things to do. I know this is one of our kids' favorite thing to do when they're at a certain age, and that is they walk up and put their feet on top of your feet and you walk with them. How many people have ever done that with their children? Anybody? Or grandchildren? Or, yeah, and you love that, right? Sometimes you give them a big kick and they go flying in the air. It's great fun. And I like this visual. It's not only a fun activity that our kids love, but it's a great visual that shows how God our Father is walking with us. He's guiding us. It's enjoyable. He's with us every step. He's helping us walk the walk of life. 
And so the vision is to walk with God in such a way that pleases Him. To walk in the way that He wants us to walk. To go where He wants us to go in, in our lives, in our work, in our pursuits, and as a church. So, how does God want us to walk? And where does He want us to go? And now that Paul has said that, to put the, our lives into the, into the metaphor of a walk, uh, to be pleasing to God, what Paul does next is he's going to give us four steps to walking worthy. Now, isn't that nice of Paul to say, to use the metaphor, walk worthy of God, and then give us four steps? Pretty good, huh? So he's going to give us the first four steps in this walk that we're going to take as a church uh, into pleasing God. Let's look at what those are. The first two, again, are in verse 10. Let's read that whole verse again, verse 10. Uh, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Here's the first step, bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work. The first of our four steps is, of walking worthy is to bear fruit in every good work. All right, so let's talk about bearing fruit. We talked about that last week a little bit. Let me approach it at a different angle this week. How many uh, remember in your childhood sometime where you might have done this, most of us did, uh, a teacher or a parent or a Sunday school teacher or somebody gives you a cup of dirt? Okay, and in that cup of dirt, you're supposed to put some seeds, okay, and you put them in the dirt. Has anybody done this? Am I the only one? Okay, all right, lots of people. Good, good. All right, so you add a little water. And if, and if you're a small child, you think, okay, now it's going to grow. And you watch it, and it doesn't grow. It's so disappointing. It's not growing. Well, okay, so this is how we learn patience. Uh, we add a little water to it the next day. Nothing happens. Add a little water the next day. We wait longer. Add a little water the next day. Finally, the day comes when something starts sprouting out of that cup of dirt. And isn't it so exciting? Like, it's growing. It's working. This thing is bearing fruit. God makes it happen. This thing is going to bear fruit. And that's a great metaphor for our lives. And if you can't relate to the cup of dirt where fruit grows, maybe you can relate to this. The Uncle Sai. Chia beard. I was in Sean's office the other day and I saw this. I'm like, oh, I got to use this. How many people want this? The Uncle Sai Chia beard. It is available, I'm sure, on Amazon. Uh, the little tagline is, watch it grow. And it has all your Duck Dynasty characters. Um, full growth in one to two weeks. Enough seeds for three plantings. So you get a lot for your money there. All right, we're talking about growing fruit in our lives. It's pretty fun, huh? That's not mine, so I can't give it away. Um, God makes this same thing happens in our lives, and he delights to grow fruit through our lives. Let's see, what are we talking about? The spiritual fruit that we bear in our lives are what we celebrated last week. Things in our lives that only God can grow as we're walking with Him, as we're studying His Word, as we're following Jesus. And now Paul puts it in context of, of the future, of the, of the direction we want to go, what we want to achieve in our lives in Christ. Fruit production 
is a key identifier of a Christian. Okay, it's how the world knows that we are Christ followers, is that we are bearing this kind of spiritual fruit. Remember, we identified those last week. All kinds of different fruit, like faith, love. We're choosing to love our enemies in a way that the world, it just blows their mind. That's the fruit of being alive in Christ, of being a follower of Jesus. That we have hope. We have more hope than anybody in the world. We have truth that offers healing to people and salvation to people. We have a mission. We bring light into the world. We worship. Everybody's a worshiper of something. We're the only people that will worship the God who's worthy to be worshipped and who doesn't lead us to self-destruction. We bring peace to the world. We bring fun and joy and happiness as we're following Jesus. That's the life of fruit that God wants to bear through our lives. And this isn't complicated, fellow Christians. This is natural. It's natural for an apple tree to bear what? To bear apples. It's natural for a pear tree to bear what? To, be, to bear pears. It's natural for the Christ follower to bear what? Spiritual fruit. So I want you to honestly ask yourself, is my life producing much fruit? In everything I do, everywhere I go, is it producing fruit in my relationships with my family? Kids, are you honoring your parents, even though it's hard? Parents, are you having patience and grace? Removing anger from your household? That's the fruit of the Spirit of God. At work, are you bringing Jesus' light into your workplace? Do your neighbors know that you love Jesus? Have they been invited to come to church or to hear the gospel from you? Do your sports friends or acting friends or video game friends or club friends know that you love Jesus because you value him greater than all other values? All right, so this is where Jesus wants us to go in our walk with, with him. Because we know this. We don't know the details yet at Community Grace, what the future holds, but we know this much. He wants us to know him, to walk closely with him, bear fruit for him. And the next one is to increase in knowledge of God. Now, this is where we just began, growing in the knowledge. But Paul brings it up again here because it's part of the process. It's part of the journey. As we study and know the Word of God and walk and bear fruit in our lives, guess what? We learn more. We grow in more knowledge, which helps us grow even more mature and more capable of, of bearing fruit. See, we've already learned some stuff since five minutes ago when we talked about growing in knowledge. So we are different people than we were five minutes ago because we've learned and grown in knowledge. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That's the process of, of walking with God. And so he says it again, increasing in the knowledge of God. That's important enough to emphasize. And it's part of our process of growing in life. And the third step in a walk with God is to be strengthened. We will be strengthened with all God's power, he says. Okay, he's not pulling any punches here. He's, he's talking big time. Being verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For what purpose? For endurance, for all endurance and patience with joy. Okay, this, this sounds awesome. I want to be strong, right? I work out occasionally. <laughs> and we all want to be strong in lots of different ways. But Let's get this right. God isn't looking to give us the strength of Samson necessarily, the strongest man in the Bible, or the strength of the power team. Yeah. All right. So I put, I put this picture up. 
Because I just heard people talking the other day about the last time the, the power team was here. Were they, were they actually here in this church or here in the community? In this church. That's cool. When was that? A long time ago? 18 years ago? I think they're still around, though. So maybe we can have, probably not those guys. They're probably retired, but. All right, so if you don't know what the power team is, these are like superhuman people who, uh, who do amazing superhuman feats like tearing phone books in half and blowing up the hot water bottle until it pops and bending things. And, and uh, it's a pretty, pretty high-powered, energetic show. I haven't seen it myself, but I've heard, I've heard exciting things, and I've heard that there are countless people who have given their lives to Christ at their presentations because they do all of that to blow your minds and to, and to make us you know, be in awe. And then they say all this is only to point to the power of God. And the power of God is available to all of us. And Paul says to grow in all of it. We walk in our walk of lives with the accessibility to all the glorious power of God. Now, so if it's not to do superhuman feats of strength, what's it for? It's to do supernatural feats of spiritual strength. Christ is greater than all, and his is the power that we have. And he says what it's for right there, so that for all endurance, so that we will endure whatever you're going through in life right now. Whatever struggle it is, we all have them. Some are hidden, some are exposed, some other people know about and are supporting us, some we're wrestling through all alone, it feels like. But you're not alone. If you're walking with God, he gives you all the power of his glorious might to endure through that. You will get through this. He's given you his power and his spirit and his church and counselors and guidance and, and wisdom. And as you're walking through that with him, you'll endure it. And you'll be Christ-like through it in patience and even joy. You can't do that. You can't be patient and joyful through the worst things in the world without God. But with him, he gives you that ability. And that's his vision for us. To have that from him. And to have endurance and to have patience and to have joy. And that's pretty great. He is a loving and all-powerful Father. And Christ is greater than all that we could face. That's the third step. That brings us to the fourth and final step as we launch a walk into the future as a church. And that is always giving thanks to the Father. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And the verb there of giving thanks is a continual action verb. It's to get, always give thanks. Always give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says that. Rejoice, give thanks in all things. That's hard to do also. That is really, really hard to thank God for everything. And it takes His strength. It does. But when you think about who God is, and what he's done, it gets easier. It gets easier to give thanks to God. What has our Father done? And Paul wants to make sure that we grasp this. So in the last two verses of this passage, he gives us the reason that we can have vision at all. The Father has qualified us. He has qualified us. Sometimes you'll hear religious experts 
say something like, nobody can ever be sure whether you're going to heaven. Nobody can ever be totally sure that you're worthy enough. And with religious experts like that, who needs heretics, right? Along comes the Apostle Paul and says this, if you're a Christian, if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, you have been made worthy. It is done in its fullness, sealed by the Holy Spirit. You are qualified. You are worthy in Christ. Christ is greater than all. And you will share the eternal inheritance of God's reward. Give thanks. Amen? Giving thanks to God our Father. Now Paul continues in our final two verses, verses 13 and 14, saying this, more about what the Father has done for us. He, that's the Father, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's Jesus. So the domain of darkness was our former state, lost in bondage from various parts of the darkness, without hope and without God. And friends, if you haven't listened to anything else today, listen to this. Know that the Father has done what the Father has done for us so that we can know Him more and thank Him more and worship Him as He's due. What has He done? How can we be so sure that, that we have victory and all this sealed for us and secured for us as we go into the future? And what Paul does, he's a, a logician. He uses logic. He's an expert at it in his letters. And what he's doing here is he's using what's called an a majori ad minus argument. Okay? This is the Latin. Makes you sound real smart. Uh, I'm not a logician. I don't speak Latin. But I, I'm, I grasp what he's doing here in logical argumentation. And this is important. important. Listen to what he's doing here. Here's what this line of argumentation says. It says, if someone desires to do two tasks and one is improbable probably won't happen because the cost is so high but it is done then the second task which the cost is low for is guaranteed to happen also okay got that if two tasks are desired one is so costly that it's not likely but it's done and then the other one's naturally definitely going to follow and here's what paul is applying the way paul is applying this here He's saying, brothers and sisters, that God did not spare his own beloved son. That's the thing that was very costly. He loved his son infinitely. And his son deserved, had in no way, the shame and the embarrassment, the humiliation and the pain that he experienced to take our sins to the cross and to pay for them and to wash them away. But he did that. He did not spare his son. That's the hard thing. That's the costly thing. And because he did that, the lesser task is guaranteed. And that is that we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his glorious son. In whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. It's done. It's finished. Once you trust Jesus as your Savior, not yourself anymore. 
Not your good works, but Jesus' finished work. And we are beginning to have a vision for our lives, for the year 2020, a vision for the church in the year 2020, because we're going to say today and commit to God our Father to thank Him and walk with Him together through this journey. We don't know the details yet, but God does, and we can trust Him. So virtually every church and organization has picked up on this whole 2020 vision thing, right? It's the year 2020, talking vision, 2020 vision. Um, Have you heard that in your workplace or anywhere else, right? Okay. Uh, We don't have that much clarity at this point, but my goal is by the end of 2020, uh, right now I'm just meeting people, learning people, finding out what people's dreams and hopes are, um, and already, uh, it's just been such a great process. So Lord willing, uh, we'll know some things uh, by the end of 2020, and we'll start having this 2020 vision. We can, we can kind of pick up on that metaphor too, but I, I do want to say this. Just so you know, 2020 vision. Three days ago, I got reading glasses for the first time because I no longer have 2020 vision. There they are right there. And my kids said, do not put those on. They are not used to me in glasses yet. Um, So I'm not even going to put them on. (laughs) I'm just going to put them back in my pocket here. Uh, But probably in the next couple of years, I'll be preaching to them, maybe. Sorry, kids. Um, They're not used to that. Here we are. uh, Enter the process all together of developing a 2020 vision for community grace for the future. We stand at the outset of that. Now, having said that, I just want to draw attention to a few things that we do know, okay, to invite everybody into some things that we do know that are going on, that are right before us, some direction that we have for the future. Uh, just a few things. First the, is the Warsaw Christian School, Lakeland Christian Academy uh, relationship, and we needed to announce today that in two weeks from today, we have a business meeting, a congregational meeting. And our, our plan right now is to go ahead and t- today announce that there's a vote on that first Sunday of March. It'll be, our, our current plan right now is to have that business meeting, follow the morning service. And um, uh, you've heard probably that Warsaw Christian School, there has been years and years and years of prayer uh, with Lake, Lakeland Christian Academy, with this church, what's best for all three organizations going into the future. Uh, we have some guys, Matt Starrett, Doug Buller, the elder board, who have been working tirelessly to uh, prepare. We've had some Q&As. They've been enjoyable. A lot of good questions are being asked. So in two weeks, uh, we're going to have that business meeting, and we want to be very clear in our communication with the Community Grace Church family uh, that this is coming up, and we need your participation. We need you to be informed about it and excited about it. And as I sit in these meetings and these prayer meetings with with people talking about this, you know, I've, I've been actually very inspired and encouraged and excited about all of the things that are being discussed, the nature of which they're being discussed, and the vision for the future. And it's just so exciting. So I'm not going to get any further into that right now, except to announce that that business meeting is coming up in two weeks from today, and there will be a time of Q&A, and, and uh, there's already a, a frequently asked questions sheet. If you haven't seen that, Uh, Just email the office, and we'll fire it right to you. Great vision for the church and for the two schools ahead. Here's another one. Easter is eight weeks away. Isn't that exciting? All right, so why is that significant? Because 
We want to be a church that reaches our community. We're community grace. And Easter and Christmas are the two times of the year where virtually everybody in America is at least somewhat open to exploring the claims of Christ. And so we're going to launch some steps of praying for our outreach efforts, um, doing some intentional invitations, organizing our Easter service, uh, lots of things coming up. I just want to tell you uh, that those are ahead, and not just for Easter, of course, but all the time, to always be outreach-minded. So because of that, we're developing some things that will help our church be even better at making contact with the community and then welcoming when they're here. Uh, Everything from the pens and communication cards, church invitation cards that everyone can carry in their pockets uh, as you're out and about in life. Um, New ways to connect and serving and in small groups, just to name a few. So I'm just going to ask you, you know, we do a lot of those things well already. We're going to grow and try some new things and uh, and develop those, those parts of our church I can't do that unless you're on board. So I'm going to ask you all to look for those things. Uh, we're all on this team, and God is ready to do great things through his people. And then the work days that were announced, that Sean announced earlier, to clean and paint the rental houses on the property across the parking lot. Um, I wanted to mention those. The work days are important. We'd hope to have at least 30 people or so, so we can divide into teams of cleaning, painting, and purging uh, the houses and around the campus. So come for those. But more than that, that property over there was purchased and a sign, a big beautiful brick sign was built. Have you seen the sign? It makes it look like our church meets in two houses. It's really kind of random. Um, We're hoping to put an arrow on that sign, by the way, to point here uh, for people who are driving around looking for this church. Maybe that was you this morning. Sorry. Um, (laughs) But there's the sign on this great piece of property that overlooks the city. That was purchased years ago by this church with great vision in mind for that property. Now, we do not know what God has in store for that yet. But those are the kind of things I'm just going to ask you to be excited about. As we have a heart to walk with God and to reach our community in the future of this church. And here are two next steps that, we, that I do want to encourage you to take right now, today. The first is to pray for our future fruit, whatever God has in store for us. It begins with prayer. All of this that we talked about today and looked in Scripture was in the context of Paul's prayer for the Colossians. So let's join together in prayer as a regular way of life, praying for our family's future and our own, our careers, of course, but right at the top of the list, the future of community grace. His plans, His desires. That's the first one. And the second one I want to ask you to do is return tonight for communion. Six o'clock tonight, right in this room is where we'll start. Let's be together tonight. It's my family's first time having a threefold communion with Community Grace, and we're really excited about that. And I'd love to do that all with you. But that's not the reason, that's not the main reason for you to come. The main reason for you to come and have communion, which God made as an ordinance of his church for all time, for all of his believers, is because he has transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. He has done that. Would you come back tonight at 6 o'clock and let's worship together. Let's close in prayer as we go about our day.
Lord, we thank you for your word and that it includes in it the passionate command to know it, to grow in it. That it would be our authority, our guide, the lamp to our feet, our, our source of wisdom for all things in life. Where we find out what we know about you and your greatness above all other things. We thank you for this walk that we've had in it, and I pray that you will saturate our walk in life now uh, by the Holy Spirit, in the Word, great fellowship with other believers, uh, going in the direction that you want. Lord, I pray that you'll keep us from going off in the wrong directions. Um, This is a humble and passionate prayer on behalf of this whole church, that you would guide us and thrill us uh, with your glory and your mission that you've given us. Pray now that we'll respond in, in worship and song and then every other form as we go from here today. In Jesus' name, amen.